what's up, guys? Um, you, you look you look like you're in a bunker. Uh, I know we are. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> what's going yeah, on? That's better. We uh, we're starting a cult. Can you see our shirts? Oh, the nice, nice cult. cult. <laughs> um, okay, I'm out then. <laughs> you can. You, I already got you a shirt. I'm sorry, Finn. Sorry, okay. you're already an honorary member. Yeah, you can be acolyte. Don's also. Yep, yep. yep. He's a member. Can I uh, can I sing Little Mermaid songs as Adolf Hitler? <laughs> I don't think it's not work? acceptable. I I don't. I think it's I, all right. I, I right now I'm saying yes. We haven't come up with the rules yet or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, the nice club. What's going on? What's what this? We're we're making uh we're doing a podcast about cults, and we decided in the midst of it to create a cult. And so this podcast will have we'll be building a cult one episode at a time with new beliefs and new different based on different kinds of cults that we cover. And then if you go to the nicecult.com, you can see what we're up to. Mm-hmm. We're I thought you guys were going to start cults just so you can understand cults more, but you're starting them. Is it like a multi-level type of thing? Like, what's well, we're we're going to get to the multi-level part today. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. starts today. <laughs> that, that part starts today <laughs> because that was brilliant. We're adding you in. You're supposed to get at the bottom floor. Yeah, we have <laughs> not the top floor. No, you, you want to work your way you know, up. Every way you look at it, okay. I mean, it's the bottom, but it's a reverse pyramid, I guess. Yeah, it's, a, it's more of a trapezoid scheme. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we got a bunker. We're starting a cult. What room are you in? This is underneath my garage. This is this is the man cave. The man cave. The yeah. man cave. That's what Leo calls it. He's like, are you going down to the man cave? It sounds fun. I mean, it's nice and culty. Two things I like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's our inner sanctum. That was one of the one of the segments I was, was thinking. It? Okay, was that we do have a uh, Ronaldo's like the, poetry kind of like a testimony corner? builder. Or people say we should read a letter. We should, <laughs> like we a have, letter. I think we should like regurgitate some old boys in the corner poetry. <laughs> but like this is like someone just or we do we read it like we have someone wrote that wrote in a thing where oh yeah I was in school with Ronaldo, I he helped me a lot but uh, I can't say one thing he always got a hundred percent. In fact, he in fact, ended he, up he he ended up teaching the teacher. Yes, the teacher had to use the restroom, had to leave, and then he, Ronaldo stood up and finished the class. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Mom, I Joined a Cult, the only podcast about cults by an actual cult. Listen as we examine other cults, discuss what they did right and what they did wrong, and then build our own cult from the ground up. And now your hosts, Gunner, Dawn, and Nathan, and Thor. Welcome to today's episode. In today's episode, we will be spot... Uh, son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> son of a gunner. Uh, someone else want to start this one off? <laughs> 
Welcome to today's webinar. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> is that a work thing? Yeah, that is. <laughs> All right. How about something like, welcome again to the nice cult. Today we have a special cult to talk about. One that's fairly recent. Well, I'd say very recent. Nathan, what is this cult? So today we're going to talk about a, a group called Nexium. They were actually started off as a MLM, multi-level marketing company, that was called Consumers Byline. What did they sell? They sold refrigerators, appliances, and the the leader of the group, Keith Ranieri, was a member of Amway. And he kind of got the idea, hey, I can make money. You can just build, use your network to, to sell items. So he started selling these, he started selling all sorts of household goods and trips through this MLM called Consumer Byline back in like 1990. Mm -hmm. That went off really well. In fact, he had 200,000 people who were like members and in, in all 50 states and different countries. But it was a classic pyramid scheme. It wasn't an MLM per se. It was an actual pyramid scheme where the people below were just asked to recruit other people and pay money to stay in the uh, organization. What is the actual difference between a pyramid scheme and a MLM? Well, an MLM has you buy, it's more product centric. So it you're buying product and not really just trying to recruit people. But this was so recruitment heavy, the FTC shut them down and told them that, you know, they gave them a, like a $40,000 $40, fine and said, hey, you're no longer, we never, we don't want you doing these kinds of organizations anymore. And then they shut the whole thing down. That was back in 1996. So it started in 1990, went for six years, and then it was shut down by the government. 1998 rolls around and Keith Raniere has another idea with this a psychologist, Nancy Salazar, and they get together. They spend a couple of weeks kind of on a off campus, you know, talking about their, I think they were partners at the time. And just, just a second. Yeah. Did they get together kind of like we're doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> or was it an executive retreat? <laughs> yeah, I think it was more of kind of a retreat. That's at least what they, that's what they talked about. So he was... He was the idea guy. He had already done this before. She was a psychologist. And then they kind of thought of this idea where they could, this executive success program, they would help mentor people. Be all you can be kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so they started this, they started this group, Nexium, this executive success program, ESP. And people would go in and get their training. And then they had different levels. So if it, they had you do some recruitment and if you paid so much money to go into their workshops and then had people sign up under underneath you, you could advance in rank. Instead of uh, different ribbons or, or they would have they had sashes or like scarves that they would wear with different like stripes and different colors and you would advance rank. So but it was still kind of a multi-level pyramid marketing kind of thing. Yeah, but it was mostly developed around training. So you uh -huh. weren't purchasing anything, you were purchasing advancement. Ideas yeah, yeah, and you this this training. Exactly. Success training. And it actually took off pretty pretty big. I mean, it took off pretty well. And they had 
tens of thousands of, of members, and uh, including some billionaires. They had uh, the, a former surgeon, surgeon general, the CEO of Enron <laughs> was a member. Uh, when did Enron? When did Enron go? That whole debacle happened. Yeah, I think that was early nineties. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was the late nineties. I thought that was like the beginning of the the dot com bust. Uh, so then, the daughter of the uh, Mexico's president. Uh, Fox. Yeah, Cinte Fox. Yeah. Um, you know her name? <laughs> I've never, I, I don't know No, no, that was her. his name. Yeah, no, his name was Fox. Vicente, oh, Vicente, okay. yeah, Vicente Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a bunch of act, uh, actors and actresses. Uh, Linda Evans from Dynasty. A couple of stars from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Nikki Klein and Grace Park. And then the heiresses to the Seagrams. The ones that did the wine, Seagrams Golden Wine Cooler. And then they did this this training, this, this development process, which is supposed to develop your leadership skills for both men and women. And he really concentrated on helping women though. And so he had, mm. it looked like about 70% women. I, I, when I saw some of the videos, just looking at there at who was joining this cult or it wasn't a cult at the yeah. time. It was a training process. Mm-hmm. That was their the secret training process. And it became so proprietary that when someone tried to publish some of their material, they were sued. And they did a bunch mm-hmm. of, they sued people who left the cult and talked about it. Or if any detractors, if anyone on the internet talked about it, they would go after them legally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Successfully? And sometimes successfully, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is before they were a cult. Yeah, this was bef- this well, mm-hmm. well. That kind of helps define their progression into being a cult <laughs> yeah so they had one like of the that. first ingredients we talked yeah. about that leader who the uh dynamic yeah, leader, dynamic leader. Mm-hmm. so they had that this guy uh keith ranieri he's kind of an interesting character anyway he wouldn't just looking at him you wouldn't think that he's going to be a cult leader i mean he's mm-hmm. kind of pudgy a little bit overweight i don't know he didn't he doesn't look like someone who's going to be dynamic and get out there in front of a large crowd and command people but he, he was really intelligent. In fact, he was on in the Guinness Book of World Record for for um, having an IQ of, I think it was 230. Anyway, so he had this really, he really like documented how smart he was. But he also had a lot of other claims. And this started off when he was 13. He said that he was, and continued throughout his whole life. He was a judo champion and he had all these multiple degrees from all of these colleges. But part of it was kind of his myth where he's like, I'm... The, I was the youngest judo black belt, and I beat people who were five belts higher than me. He had all this mm-hmm. stuff that he would say, and so he built this he built this myth around himself. And then when he kind of stepped into this cult leader position as a founder of this of his cult, that myth kind of built up, and then he became that that leader that had that with the godlike aura because he's done all these amazing things. Did he, did it just like go all of a sudden into a cult? Was there actually like a business changing where they're like, oh, this is now a a non-profit. Was it a non-profit or? I think it was always a for-profit kind of thing. And it became a cult really slowly. Like, I don't think at first it was, it was like that. But what was interesting is he had a bunch of different businesses underneath his Nexium. So Nexium is built in X I V M. Am I the only one that thinks it sounds like it's a drug? I like it just well, sounds it's like it's a drug when, when you see it spelled. So he so he needed a little bit of validation for his business, and one of the things that he did is invited the Dalai Lama 
to come over. And Dalai Lama at first was like, no way. I mean, his people are like, don't do this. But he actually, before that happened, rewind. What happened was this article came out in Forbes about him and about the the organization. And then it was like the, the first group or the first outside uh, opinion to call it, call this a kind of a cult-like organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Seagrams, the father of the, said it was a, a cult. And so he, he was the first person to kind of say that. And then right after that, they wanted to get, they were like, okay, we need to do some good PR. And they invited the Dalai Lama over in the Dalai Lama. It seems like a smart idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, exactly. That's, that's a one oh one. Yeah, invite the Dalai Lama to come over. Invite the Dalai Lama or the Pope. Mm-hmm. Maybe both of them. <laughs> I think the Dalai Lama has like the least amount of hatred towards him out of anyone. Yeah. yeah. As far yeah. as I know, like I cannot no think one, of yeah. anybody that says anything bad about the Dalai Lama. And there's probably, Except for maybe the Chinese government. That's well, it. Right. That's true. Yeah, right. <laughs> and there's probably good reason because, you know, he had a group of people who were kind of vetted who could even talk to him. And at first he wouldn't even... He just said, no, I don't want anything to do with this, with mm-hmm. this uh, group, because they were called a cult. And they actually went over there and addressed him, you know, had an audience with him and talked about that they weren't a cult. It was a hit piece in the magazine and, and all this stuff. And he finally consented to come over. And really, he didn't say, the Dalai Lama didn't say anything specifically good about them, but he was invited as a goodwill gesture. And it really validated Nexium. And a lot of people would, uh, a lot of people were attracted to Nexium just because of that. He would attract people from different walks of life, and like lead, had leadership qualities, and then he would um, have develop little like side projects with them. And one of the side projects he developed was this protectors group, which is a group of men who were protectors in the cult. And they talked about being a man. They talked about what that meant and protecting the other members. And it was just kind of this weird side project. But it got some of the other, it got some of the women in the group jealous of like, what they, what are those guys doing over there? And they, they wanted to create a, a group as well. And so they created this group called Jeunesse. The leader of Jeunesse was, is uh, Allison Mack, mm-hmm. who's an actress from Battlestar, what's it about? No, Smallville. No, Smallville, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, ever, you guys ever watch that? I have. I know who you're talking about. Thor watched that one religiously. It was never. I was never <laughs> into it. I don't think. I my my wife had a crush on uh, on one of the members that Superman, Clark Kent. Okay. In there, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He's a good looking kid, and she had a total crush on him. And so I watched more than my fair share of that show. Yeah, she's really cute. She's she's really cute. She's She's kind of one of those uh, next door neighbor, kind of girl next door, kind of cute. And she was actually one of their top recruiters. So yeah. she used her clout as a celebrity to get other members. And he, they really concentrated on young, attractive, skinny girls was their, you know, they were, they were, they let anyone come to the, they would want, they wanted to pay them $5,000 come to one of their events but that's who they were really after. So are you saying that she started a group separate from it? Or is it another part of the Nexium? It was kind of a subcult, subcult, kind of like a A branch, a branch, like Like a, like a sub brand. So Jeunesse, but not underneath the Nexium. No, it was kind of like a, yeah, just like a side project that he Mm -hmm. did with her. Oh, so he did it with her. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not saying he did it with her, <laughs> but he did that with her. Okay, got it. Got <laughs> he, it. Anyway, he um, <laughs> and so he, they worked on together on this project, and it was about specifically women leadership qualities. And he was what really came out in a lot of his training was how misogynistic he was and how anti-woman he was. And a lot of his training was women need to be tougher. They need to be more like men. And he was just very anti-woman. He didn't like the way women acted. And some of his things where you saw, if you if you looked at some of his videos, he'd say, you want to know why we hate you? You want to know why men hate women? It's because of this and this. And he just called them out. And part of what, you know, so you would think that people attending that would like automatically be turned off, be turned off. But he would, one of his, one of the things that he kind of led them with and kind of pulled them a little bit at a time was if he said, if you feel like you want to leave, that's because we're doing our job. We are challenging your belief system. And so that feeling that you feel, you need to ignore it. And that's the only way you're going to grow. And so he got people who wouldn't have, would never have stood for, you know, saying this is why men hate women. And, you know, a bunch of women watching this guy talk about that made them uncomfortable. And he, he preached, if you feel uncomfortable, it's because it's your problem. It's your, you're the one who doesn't have your mind open enough. And it works. Yeah, it did work. I wouldn't buy that shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. well, that, that's how they get you to normalize things that you would normally you know your instincts would steer you away from is by telling you stretch a little you know open your open up your mind and your heart to to all of these things your mind your the natural man you know is an enemy to god or whatever you know they, they might pull in scriptures and things like that to help you to to get you to uh ignore your instinctual um, reaction to aversion to to what they're trying to sell you. Yeah, um, they did that a lot. And anyone who if they said, if hey, if if someone, one of your friends or your one of your family members wants it questions your membership in this organization, they're the ones holding you back. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know they kind of mm-hmm. led people astray and got them to not even associate with their friends and family anymore. And he kind of kind of got them alone. That that's kind of brilliant because that that does two things. It solidifies people that already think that way, that already are misogynistic, and are like, they're like, oh yeah, I'm right. And then the people that are like, oh, that feels wrong. Oh, maybe I just need to open myself up. Maybe he's trying to teach me something. Okay. So yeah. it's like it's mm-hmm. it's taking both sides. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. What an ass. <laughs> Touched by Ronaldo, stories from around the world of how Ronaldo has touched each one of us in that special way. And now comes the story portion of uh, these are uh, things that people have written in uh, about Ronaldo DiCaprio and, and how they touched their lives. And this first story was a guy in Sonoma, California. He didn't want to give his name. He wanted to remain anonymous, but he went into a 7-Eleven, and um, it was in California, heat of the summer, and he uh, went to the Slurpee machine to uh, to try it out to see, because uh, he wanted a Slurpee, and the guy called back, that Slurpee machine hasn't worked in years. And so he looked around 
the, uh, to see if he could find something else. He looked back and he saw the back of someone walking away from the slurping machine and the slurping machine was started to work. And he wanted to thank the guy. Um, you know, he got his slurpee. He goes, who was that guy who fixed the slurpee machine? And he's like, the, the uh, store clerk said, the slurpee machine. And the, the gentleman's car was already driving away before anyone could thank him. And that man was Ronaldo DiCaprio. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's our, that's our first story. It's uh, mm. pretty amazing yeah, that's something that, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, did I really see that? Did did he really just stop by and, and did everything just get a little bit brighter and the world just work a little bit better? Well, at least the slurping machines. Well, yeah. of course. And that's so important. So it's the small things. And that's what I like about Ronaldo is that it's not like you, you would think it's like the most important thing on earth that he would fix. It's like, no, it's just the things that help you out. The little things. Nathan. <laughs> I mean, it's like water yeah. into wine, except instead of water, it's liquefied Slurpee. And then instead of wine, it's real Slurpee. <laughs> I, I really do love that story. It it makes me thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Thirsty for more. Yeah. It's refreshing. <laughs> more it's Slurpees. Like a Slurpee. Just so you guys know, Seven uh, Eleven is not sponsoring us. That <laughs> was not. We really wish they would. But if they do, we will not. We'll just let you know. We would take money from them if they gave it to us. And uh, also, if you have a story about how Ronaldo DiCaprio has touched your life, feel free to write in, and uh, there's a chance we'll read that on there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Or even have heard legends from other people that may have been touched by Ronaldo, even if they don't know for sure if it was him. Yeah, yeah. second or third hand stories are the best. Those are the best. Yeah. yeah. He's this guy. I mean, he has. He's charismatic, um, uh, but and several of the women were secretly. Well, some of them it was secret with, but he was sleeping with some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the, some of the top leaders. And he was open about, um, in fact, he said, men are meant to be polyamorous and meant to have a lot of partners and women are meant to nest and have just one. Mm-hmm. And he really preached that and made that, he really normalized that. And uh, so that was part of his, part of his uh, ethic. And he really thought of himself as this big ethical teacher. And if you see him, talk if you google look on youtube for some of his things he's he's very self self-centered yeah and uh anyway he has this he does have this presence about him but when he talks with women you can just see that he thinks that they're lesser than guys so at at this time so he's he's having sex with these with other some of the members and he this whole organization is actually gaining some momentum and getting some pretty influential people. He has this idea, well, according to what they were able to find out later. So he had this idea. He's, he claims that it was their idea, but these women were saying, okay, we want to t- start this secret organization to really empower women even further. And they ma- they developed this, this group inside of Jeunesse, which was inside of Nexium. Mm-hmm. So even a smaller group of just the leaders who developed this group called DOS, 
It stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium, which is Masters Over Slave Women. <laughs> I know, it sounds crazy. <laughs> and what the, but what this organization was, is it was kind of built like a pyramid scheme. According to him, he wasn't involved in this at all. This was all the women's mm-hmm. idea. Right. They would have six slaves and each of them would have six slaves and each of them would have six slaves. And what that a slave did was they, they kind of sold it as, no, it's not really. It's just kind of like where you're responsible to me and I keep you, I keep you um, honest with yourself as you go through and work through your goals and you become a better person. And what became, at first you would give a little bit of collateral, like if I eat too much this, this um, today, I'm going to sleep on the floor at night. That way, if I overeat, if I eat over 900 calories, then I'm going to sleep on the floor and it kind of gets you... Um, and you have to report how many calories you eat to the person above you, to your master. Then they also uh, disclose a bunch of compromising information and write some like nasty letters to their loved ones that would be sent out if they didn't follow through with their goals. Yeah, that like that came a little bit later. So they start off with little things, mm-hmm. and they would say, "Okay, if it, I if I if I don't work out today more than an hour, then." Um, I can't watch my favorite TV show. Can't watch my favorite. Whatever. Yeah, and they'd give up little things, but then it mm-hmm. became like like you're saying, uh, it it was self incriminating. Okay, yeah, like okay, I'm going to take this is going to be really big collateral. I'm going to take a nude photo of myself, and then if I don't do if I don't go to the next um, big meeting that we have, the regional meeting, then then you have my nude photo, and you're going to leak it. And it became so, and, and that was like the first part. And then it's sex tapes, and then it's mm-hmm. them writing a letter about some of the like what their family's dark, deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. And it became more and more involved. And then as the as this collateral became bigger, the punishment became bigger, and it just kind of became a spiral. Is any of this illegal? In other words. I, they're giving this stuff of their own uh, volition. Is that illegal? Well, so that part, that part probably wasn't, I don't think that part was illegal, but what became illegal was they started requiring them to do free work. And, okay, so I'm going to do 14 hours today, or I'm going to put in, yeah, I'm going to put in 14 hours or 16 hours of work, or I'm, I'm only going to sleep three hours tonight because I'm going to dedicate my time because I need to put, I need to recruit 11 people this week or whatever those things were. So it became, and I'm not going to get paid for it. And it became where you, if your master required you to do something, you, you had to do it. And in fact, they had this thing where they would test the people below them. The masters would, and like call, you would, get a text at three or four in the morning. And if you didn't respond in 20 minutes, then you had to divulge another secret or your secret was divulged to more people, or it became this, this thing where they tested your loyalty. Mm. At what point did they start branding them? So that was just actually right about that time. They, they, that was one of the things that they would, um, that's, like that was physical, a loyalty test. Physical branding. They they take a hot wire and they would carve 
a symbol into their belt line. Yeah, a cauterizing on their, tool. On their skin. And the brand was, so that was one of the things that they did. It was kind of an initiation. And if the they were told that it was made up, like this brand was made up of Greek letters that meant, was it strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strength or endurance or, you know, <laughs> like powerful words. Uh-huh. But th- then if you look, turned it out this way, uh-huh. it w- turned it one way, it was... Um, Keith, Keith K-R, K-R yeah. for Keith Rainier A. And if you turned it another way, it was A.M. for Allison Mack. And she was the leader of Jeunesse, and yeah. then also the leader, the, the highest slave master besides mm-hmm. Keith of this DOS group. So branding them like cattle with the, you know, the ranch's emblem, <laughs> yeah. if you will. So would you guys, you think of a group that you'd be willing to be branded for? I, I'm not a big fan of branding. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not. <laughs> I, I know some people do it for fun. How but, about a tattoo? But no. A tattoo. I, I'm not a big fan of tattoos either. But wouldn't that be illegal to a submit someone to a brand like that? I don't under, know. Under duress. You know? Uh, if it's under duress, yes. But if it isn't, I mean, if it's okay, completely they, they willing. volunteered, but they would have backed out if they weren't you know, pressured into it. And pressured by people who have nude pictures exactly. of you. Exactly. You're right. I, I think you could you could take that to court and win. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but that okay. sounds like you should be able to, to take that to court and win. Even if you gave them nude photos of yourself. So I guess our cult's not going to do that. The nice cult. So no <laughs> no photos no of naked people then, okay. right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. Getting a little more comfortable. Okay, we're talking about new photos, and Gunner is taking off his clothes. <laughs> just one layer. What's Listen, going on here? I'm getting this... on my camera. <laughs> this is the first layer I have committed. I've taken the first step. <laughs> it's time for you guys to take the first step as well. Nathan is with me. I, I don't like where this is Nathan going. is taking the second step. It's time to, it's time to pile on the peer pressure, guys. <laughs> if you're one of us. Incriminating information about you, Thor. <laughs> My shoes are coming that? off. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it doesn't sound like, I mean, it's too crazy. Well, oh, so, this so way, far. This way. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, well, he had them. Uh, so it was international. He had this group that was within a group, within a group, like three layers deep, as the secret sorority that were holding evidence. What is, what is that called when you have, when you're going to divulge something to, to the law or divulge something and you ask for money? Blackmail? Kind extortion. Of like extortion. Extortion, yeah. So it was kind of like it was kind of like that. He was forcing them, they were being forced to work. Mm-hmm. So this is um this is trafficking, like sex trafficking, because part of what he did is require them, the women in the in the group required of their slaves was to have sex with Keith. Mm-hmm. So he actually had a group of about twenty women, and sometimes it they just change out that he would regularly sleep with. Which is, okay, consenting adults, not a big deal. But if you are required to by someone who has all of this. And if you don't, mm-hmm. bad things will happen to you. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so it became this, uh, it became really, uh, like, illegal at that point. And what was kind of interesting is he's in, he wanted to be, or he saw himself as this international 
leader of this organization that's going to change the world. And he was on level with some of the biggest players in, in the world, political players and, and religious leaders. Um, but he lived in, he was in Albany, New York, and he would require people when you got to a kind of a certain level in the organization to fly out to him and buy a house and live in there, live in his neighborhood. And then eventually he'd end up having sex with a bunch of them. And then he would, he had this weird lifestyle where he'd sleep in the, he'd sleep all day and then he'd do all of his stuff at night and he would hand down his dictates and his rules and do, you know, write a lot of his curriculum in, in the nighttime. And then he did, he would have, he'd require them to go to this volleyball practice at night where he would play volleyball like on Tuesdays and Thursdays and people, all the, these, especially the women cult members would gather around him and act like little groupies groupies yeah. and uh and he really enjoyed that that was like a, his dream mm. um, <laughs> okay. that's like uh, living a fantasy it's <laughs> having to buy houses though and stuff like that it feels like this is kind of for the really rich the uber rich kind of yeah it, it was not a poor man cult and in his in his defense I, I listened to his attorney talk about it he was saying okay these were adult most Mostly, I mean, there were some accusations of underage stuff, mm -hmm. especially in Mexico, but consenting adults who had money, who were educated. Um, and actually, if you, if you look at who joins a cult, a lot of times it is, it isn't just the, you know, the poorest people. It's people who have influence and have money and who've been educated just in general are the, mm -hmm. I don't know, the general cult followers. So there's no specific demographic. That that is that. Well, he's saying it's more like that. There is that demographic of, but it's of the well more well-to-do. Well yeah. yeah, well, that's the demographic. Are, those are the ones that have the time that they can yeah. devote to it because they don't have to worry about where money. the next meal is coming from. They don't have to worry about that. Their husbands off, especially for these women. I bet it's their husbands off doing whatever. Well, from the perspective of the cult, they they want the the monetary resources that these people have it, if it's that kind of cult there may be other cults that that cater to poor demographics where they're just after labor or whatever or I, I know adulation or whatever <laughs> sure. yeah. so it's it's not it, you're, you, so you're right there's no specific demographic that all cults go after but he was targeting he was the targeting more richer right, yeah and homes. he really liked them young and thin and in this in this dos uh, group, he they, he he would have them, or they would have them eat less than 900 calories a day. So he liked them really thin, and you'd have to work out at, at least an hour a day. He had different things and punishments that would happen if you didn't do each of these things. Uh, one of the cult in in a documentary that is on is on HBO, they talk about. Uh, one of the couples that both members were in the in this cult, and they were they were talking about their experience in it. And she said, for I think it was for months, she slept on the ground, like the like he was in the bed and she was sleeping sleeping on the floor as some kind of punishment for something that she did. She was questioning the cult leadership or the the Nexium leadership, mm -hmm. and was actually. And forced herself, this was her own punishment, to sleep on the ground while he was sleeping on the bed. Didn't they also, like, have this uh, trial or something where they did psychological 
um, abuse on people. They had them watch uh, Mexican cartels decapitate a bunch of women or something like that. And they got in a bunch of trouble for that because it was um, like a scientific study that was unethical. Can't get away with that anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you used to be able to get away with stuff like that. I mean, you can hear about some of the, the studies that used to go on, you know, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years ago. So some higher, some people were trying to get these these members out of the out of the cult once it was kind of identified as a cult and they had kind of kept to themselves and family members were trying to get them get people out so he went he went to mexico and kind of hid out there and um he went there with a bunch of his followers and and there were still satellite offices in canada in mexico still in new in new york but he had this core group of people who went down to mexico with them the fbi found out about about a bunch of the things that this group was doing so the uh, sex traffic sex trafficking conspiracy to sex traffic uh, racketeering um, all of these all of this stuff and on a huge scale big enough that when he was finally caught he was extradited from Mexico, so he was caught there at some really expensive villa that he had, and then brought back to the U.S. and with still with members. He they still have members out there today, uh, but he was uh, when he was finally sentenced. He was sentenced to 120 years, and I think Allison Mack was sentenced as well. She hasn't been sentenced, but she was arrested. I think she's in under house arrest. Nancy Salazar was given a bunch of years as well. It kind of was winding down a little bit, but there's still 50 members that, so he's in jail. I think it's in Florida, um, maybe in New York, but he's in jail. And the, these cult members that are still, that still love him, still love Keith Raniere, will line up on the other side of where the, across the street from the jail and will do dances and stuff. And they, for a while they did it every night, but they'll, they write him and he still directs a lot of what the, these people do in his name and they still recruit people and they're still actually going right now. So they still have sashes and whatnot. And I don't know if they have, I don't know what their leadership is like or what their meetings are like, but he's still directing what they do and, I imagine the sub-sub cults are gone now. It's just Nexium. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. What the... Is he, are most of the followers women? or this? Yeah, almost every one of these is. And So the... I just want to go back to kind of like the woman and the man that were part of the group. Would And she was self-inflicting. Like, what what was his role in the group? Was he going through any of this stuff or was he kind of like i'm a man so i can do whatever and it doesn't matter well the group was really punishing uh especially with on women like really denying them how they were you know saying that they needed to act more like guys and they needed to they couldn't he'd even get mad if they were uh giggling or i don't know he anything that was anything that he saw as feminine he Except hated during ball, volleyball, right? Then, <laughs> then it was okay. You know what got me is just watching the watching videos of him, and he's probably like five six. I mean, he's not a, a classic mm-hmm. volleyball player, but I guess he he was all right at it. But it was just weird that he he would gravitate mm-hmm. to something that he really wasn't built for, kind of pudgy and short, be softer, shorter, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rootsold, let's call the big one again. 
It is the legend. Inspirational sayings from our beloved leader, Ronaldo DiCaprio. So, uh, Ronaldo was very prolific, uh, incredibly so. Uh, I can't believe the stuff he put out. He has a short little pamphlet called Musings, and uh, he talks about all sorts of stuff in there. About page 35 to 37 is Musings on, uh, he talks about uh, financial things. It's fascinating, but right in the middle of that, he has this little blurb, he says, and I'm going to read it to you. I've got a slow leg. When the rest of me wants to go, it wants to stay. I have to drag it. It clumps along, complaining to me the whole way. It's hard to go big when you're chained to the earth by a leg. The slow one. That always has kind of puzzled me because I'm like, is he talking? I mean, he didn't have any kind of problems with his legs. Is, is he talking about debt or, or something else? Or maybe life? that leg is, is, is each of us somehow. Maybe. Maybe we are all down. tied down. We're all tying him down. And it might even not be like the actual legs. It might be like just the, the thing that's holding us back that's not uh, letting each us. Each of us back. Not not letting us get back. Yeah, exactly. The, that one thing, though, or those many things that are just just there that are holding us down to where we can't actually lift ourselves up and get moving. Mm. The nice thing about Ronald, Ronaldo's quotes are that really it's up to your interpretation for those things. Uh, he he nev- hardly ever, I say never, but he hardly ever comes in and actually says that this is what I was meaning and this is something that you need to do. So, really, it's up for you to understand what he was saying on your own. So, uh, he's in jail now. He's in jail. For another couple hundred years. Yep. And, uh, but the cult, the cult's still going. Uh, obviously, it probably isn't going as strong as if he was out, but it's still going. A is, lot of the uh, documentaries that are that are put out are featuring a lot of ex cult members. Some yeah. of them are pretty famous, so they're not all there. Yeah, <laughs> so probably was, a lot of people fell away. So it's dying out. Yeah. yeah. The good, the bad, and the culty, and now we discuss what this week's cult did right and where they went wrong. So what did he do right? So I thought that was actually kind of cool. Okay, one thing I really think I I like about this is kind of a multi-level pyramid marketing scheme. Not all multi-level companies are bad. Exactly, but that whole idea, that's that's such a fresh idea for, 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 for a cult. I, I can't. Yeah, the idea that you have to, in order to advance in rank, you have, you have to, to get to, other people yeah, you, underneath spread you. Spread the word. Spread the word. Yeah. And yeah, and literally you cannot advance in rank without Listen, building relationships and trust. And yes, like exactly. So. Listen, I don't think that in, in the nice cult that we need to force people to enlist others. I think that they're going to have to do it by showing how nice they are. <laughs> yes. We're going to do it by... 
You know what? Maybe you wear a nice cult shirt. Maybe something like that. But beyond that, really just being who you are is going to want well, people to join us. I. You, what if they? you give them the option? You can recruit or you can be nice to five more people by providing them access to the nice cult. Or you can buy a nice cult shirt. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can get on our website, thenicecult.com. Yes. So one more good thing is making people... Trying to make people better. Now, maybe he didn't do it the right way, but people still were trying to be better. We want people to be happy, we, right? We do that want people the, to be better. That, is, that yeah. is the whole... But we want to support them in their decisions. I think that's the difference. But let's go into the, the bad and the ugly, or the bad. Um, Volleyball? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? it, seems, it seems like he was... It was more... It was more about him than anything else. I, that's so. That's one hundred percent true. Like it didn't. It didn't really matter. It's just like, hey, I want this. I'm gonna have these people do it. Yeah. Yeah. So having it so centered around one person. I mean, it's not good as a just in general practice as a cult to have one person who is like the charismatic leader who no one can Game take the place safe. of. Yeah. Because he's gone for one hundred and twenty years. This cult's eventually going to die out unless someone, another, another charismatic leader can take his place. Yeah, uh, subjugation and branding and and stuff like that is just branding. I think there's some. No, hear me out. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> now, to you're going to get the first pausing, brand just to let the, you know. Okay, the having having a brand like soldered into your skin. No, no, that's that's not nice. But wearing a nice cult branded shirt. Now that's, that's that 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 is is much less painful. Yeah. But the nice thing about the nice cult shirt is that if you don't agree with it, you can just take it off. You can't take your skin off after being branded. You can't be like, you know what? I don't agree with this anymore. It's gonna be really hard to get that. You know they have they have color going cover up tattoos but you really can't do a cover up brand <laughs> no you you can they used to do it in cattle oh well, if they if, choose oh. another brand <laughs> if you already have a nexium brand and you just want to switch cults we'll give you a nice cult shirt to cover that <laughs> there we go. There if you want, maybe we should have a branding iron with Oh no! For no. the animals, not for your bodies. Of course, if they, you are they don't part brand of the anymore. Cult, they, don't. they don't. They 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 tag the ear. That's oh, that's, that's how they do. I'm sorry. Yeah. They don't really? Yeah. No more brand. Can that be something that's adopted? Could we? Could we? No. But you can still get branding irons, but you brand like wood, and you burn burn your symbols into wood and stuff. Oh, rubber stamp might be good enough. Rubber stamp. Rubber stamp. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those. I guess that was, uh, so the bad things. Did we go through it? I mean, again, trafficking, not good. No. Yeah, the well, idea that they could meet, just looking at this couple who was interviewed in this documentary and just the damage that hit, that it did to their marriage of, you know, like we let this go on, we were fooled this much was, I mean, looking at it, they're both devastated still, you know, years after they had left the cult, there's still a lot of repair work that needed to be done. Building a cult. And now we take from what we learned this week and build our own cult, one belief at a time. Maybe our fearless leader needs a good title in front of his name. Is that what we're talking about? I thought that his name was just awesome enough. 
So Ooh. Ronaldo DiCaprio. Yeah, Ronaldo DiCaprio. But could he be like Sir Sir Ronaldo DiCaprio? Uh, I like that. The Don the Don Ricardo. Well, <laughs> where who who is he? You know, what is his relationship to 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 the world at large? What was he one of the programmers that created the simulation that we're in? Was he a programmer that started this, that's playing a video game that we're the characters of? We don't quite know yet. I don't think that we need to be pompous about it, though. I don't want it to sound pompous. Well, you could say, so you could refer to him as His Grace. His Grace. Okay, so let's, let's his... go through. Uh, so we've got Founder. I like Founder. I do. Grace, his grace, uh-huh. Don, El Don. El Don. Yes. Uh, we have... El Don, uh, Fernando... We can always go Gabriel. with master. No. But if we do have master, then some, one of us needs to be doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doctor who? No, no, I got it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, is, I shouldn't have laughed. I should have laughed. No, it's fine, but you gave <laughs> no, me no. the odd look like... Well, how about if we do this? How about if I come up with a bunch of... We put come up with a bunch, like a list of names mm-hmm. and then... We can discuss it next time. I okay. think that we should put it in a top hat, all the names, the titles, and let Ronaldo decide. That <laughs> is a great choice. We put Let's draw go. a circle, and whatever lands in the circle <laughs> is what he chose. Well, we, we can keep that, that hat, and we'll bring it out every podcast. And we'll pull it out, and that's what we have to use. That's the title we have to give him for the rest of the week. And then next time we'll choose another one. <laughs> I think we can make some decisions with that, but I think once we choose it, it has to be because we're coming up with dogma that is on. Yeah, you, you oh yeah, this dogma, dogma has to be firm, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, it's it's fluid, like Could've... like Revelation, which we obtain by pulling different titles out of that. Well, we could call them. We could call them different names, and then as we whatever sticks, as the, and then as we go go on, we're like that one feels right. You know, he'll tell us in our hearts. We hope you had fun with us as we explored this week's cult. Join our adventure next week as we continue to build our cult one belief at a time. Until then, if you're going to join a cult, join, join the, the nice, nice cult. cult. We're ready to believe you. Love <laughs> <laughs> Do 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 do